Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my guest, Franklin Cook, and we're going to be talking about support after a death by substance use. Franklin is a personal grief coach. He co-directs support after a death by overdose, SAD OD, which provides peer support in Massachusetts for grief after an overdose death. He co-led the panel that developed national guidelines for community-based suicide grief support. He speaks and conducts workshops all over the country, and he is no stranger to grief because when he was in his 20s, his father died by suicide. Yeah. Franklin and I have worked together a lot. He is a dear friend of mine, and he is doing really, really important yeah. work today. Yeah. So Thank welcome you. to the show, Franklin. Thank you so much, um, Heidi. Thanks for having me. It's just really a, um, you know, a pleasure you know, to hang out with you for a minute. So tell us a little bit about your own personal loss and then how it sure. brought you into this, this work that you're doing today. Sure. Well, um, you know, my, my dad uh, died by suicide in 1978. Uh, he was 49 years old and, and I was 24 years old. And uh, the cause of death or the manner of death on his death certificate is suicide. But I also can say that he died or must say that he died from substance use because that contributed directly to his suicide. He uh, struggled with alcohol, his alcohol use his whole life. And um, in the end, uh, he had a major depressive episode that certainly was um, contributed to, if not if not uh, caused by his chronic um, alcohol use. And that's, that's, that's what killed him in the end is, is depression, I guess you would say. So yeah, I was 24 and um, now that's a very long time ago. Um, and it wasn't 20 years, it was 20 years after that before I went to a peer grief support group. I was having trouble myself um, and I'd had a lot of trouble in those 20 years, but I was having trouble myself with depression and other other problems. And I wound up going to a peer grief support group for suicide. And it really was, um, it really was, uh, I don't know if it's life changing in that, in that moment, but it didn't take long for it, for it to be life changing. And ever since then, that was in 1999, I've been an advocate for peer grief support. And um, I have worked, you know, with dedication, you know, to, to bring peer grief uh, help to people who have died by suicide. Uh, that was the first part. I worked exclusively on that for the longest time. Uh, but then uh, about four years ago, I, I started working in uh, death from substance use. And that is, um, that is mostly what I do now. Although I continue to do um, groups and other, and other uh, support with uh, suicide loss survivors. So, and part, and part of my story about, about Landon in substance use death, Heidi, is, um, you know, there are really, there are, there are a lot of audiences affected by substance use death, but there are three most affected. Of course, families, you know, fam yeah. family members uh, are, are affected. And, um, and um, 
people who are on the front lines, frontline care providers, okay? It is, it has been for a long time, and we're way more familiar with this now with the opioid epidemic and what's happening to those care providers. But for years, the frontline care providers have been kind of uh, not noticed who work on the front lines of the opioid epidemic. And that is a serious, serious, serious business, you know, and they're heavily affected, you know, many of them by the fatalities they're exposed to. And then finally, people who themselves either struggle with alcohol or other drugs or are in recovery. Um, then they are affected. And, and what, what landed me here is I'm in all three audiences, you know, so, mm -hmm. so it's been as far as peer grief help goes, or peer help, you know, it's been just a real um, amazing experience for me to be involved in this. Well, I want to say that, you know, thankfully, there's now been research done that shows that the things that help the most after traumatic losses are peer support and adaptive coping skills. And yeah. you know that because this is what helped you. And this is how we get research by studying people that have gone through these things like me and you. And, you know, I know that you've also done work with the Compassionate Friends, which is a peer to peer support mm -hmm. organization and TAPS, yes. the Tragedy mm -hmm. Assistance Program for Survivors, which is a peer to peer organization. Yep. So I, I could not agree with you more. Peer support is so important and so needed uh, when you've had a loss. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about SAD OD, mm -hmm. which is a phenomenal, you know, mm -hmm. organization that you've set up here. Support after a death by overdose. For all mm -hmm. of you out there, to please go and visit this site because you are a clearinghouse and have a wealth of information yes. out there, mm -hmm. which I was not aware of until I got on your site. And one of the things, I mean, you've got articles, you've got blogs, you've got what else? Yep. What else is going on in there? I've got to get me. Well, um, so, so sadod.org, um, please go uh, check it out. Basically, those three audiences I just talked about, when you go to the front page, there's three different portals that you can just go down if you're in any of those audiences, and then a whole, a whole um, domain, um, uh, you know, a whole, I don't want to say world, because it's not that large, but you know, a whole space opens up for you um, is, is how it works. And I guess, you know, there, it's important to uh, note that that SADOD itself is funded by the Bureau of Substance Addiction Services in Massachusetts. And right now we only serve Massachusetts. Although people have been coming ever since uh, the pandemic to some of our virtual groups, because the you know, the border has disappeared on a lot of things because, because of, because of COVID, because of virtual help. But, but so really there are, there are two things that are going on. SADOD is working in, um, in Massachusetts to really help those three audiences. And the part that, uh, that uh, I am most focused on right now is peer grief help and the part that um, my my partners are most focused on right now is frontline care provider support. Although we're all mixed up, you know, it's not like there's a boundary between the two, but that's how it's uh, working working right now. You know, we have the website, we have a newsletter. Please go to honoring the mini um, honoringthemini.org. That is a national thing associated with it, so you can go there. And, and honor your loved one, and, you know, and it's so honoringthemini.org is definitely something that um, 
you know, that people might might be interested in. So yeah. Franklin, what about peer support? I mean, you, you found it helpful professionally, personally, you've seen it work. Why do you think peer support helps people heal after, after a loss and after substance, a substance use loss? Even if a person is not a peer supporter, we know this pretty much universally that if someone has had an experience, especially a bad experience like I've had, and I am suffering, that if that person, you know, has any um, aptitude at all for just putting their arm around me and not and not doing much more except for listening to me and saying, "Yep, yeah, I, I, yeah, here's what happened to me briefly, but then focusing on me. People do that all the time. That's peer support, you know, and it's valuable just for those basic reasons that a peer supporter can, we say, put, put your arm, arm around a person. Well, all service providers try to do that, you know, but there are, are, there are ways in which a peer supporter can have a more, um, you know, person to person relationship than client to professional relationship. So, so that's just one thing. It really is a person to person relationship. The person can see um, that they're not alone. A peer helper's main job is to listen well and to hold a space for the person to grieve. A peer grief helper listens wholeheartedly and holds a space where a person can can find their way through through their own grief in their own way. You have to find your own way but you don't have to do it alone. <laughs> I like this and I yeah. like the premise. You're not trying yeah. to fix it. You're not trying to give advice. You're trying to walk with that person through their journey. And like you said, hold the space for them. You must assume a posture of not knowing. Mm, not I like knowing. that. We can never fully know anybody else's journey. And I tell people, I know a lot about grief, but I don't know anything about your grief. And, and that, you know, and again, it's, it's the hardest thing for me, you know, not to, not to get myself in, in the middle of things, but that's, that's basically what peer grief help is, so, is about. Franklin, what is unique about losing somebody by substance use? Substance use is terribly uh, stigmatized that it's the people's own fault. It's because, you know, if you use your, lose your child, then you know, that's because you didn't raise them right, or, you know, you, you messed up or, you know, it was just like, those are just minor pieces of it. There is true um, discrimination and prejudice against people who have substance use. That stigma is part of it because all of that, all of that gets passed on. Well, it's already there for the, for the parents. So let's just talk about parents for the parents of someone who's struggled for a long time, they're already stigmatized and, and they're real familiar with that. And then when their person dies, the stigma that was directed onto the person, and this is kind of metaphorical more than literal, but it comes over to the bereaved person, you know, and that stigma is transferred. I don't want to speak about that too literally because it happens in a lot of different ways to a lot yeah. of different extents. Stigma and its effects are the are, are one of the major um, issues. In in addition, it has all the things that a sudden death has. These are sudden deaths, not always. So so one thing to make clear: 
we say SAD-OD because um, overdose is the predominant thing we respond to. However, we really mean, just as the title of the podcast says, uh, death, death from substance use. And so just like my dad, he died from suicide. People die from accidental overdose, from suicide, from homicide, from medical conditions, from other kinds of accidents. And the root cause or one of the root causes is substance use. So we're talking about all that. It's a sudden death, but not always. I wanted to say there's except sometimes a medical condition, cirrhosis, for instance, you know, many medical conditions, sepsis, um, you know, can be, can be uh, uh, not as much of a sudden death, but basically sudden death and the trauma that, that goes with that. The emotions, although these are common to all grief, you know, there are some that are accentuated. Sometimes guilt is accentuated. Sometimes shame is, is accentuated. Sometimes blame is accentuated. Anger, good to understand that there are about 10 things, yeah. you know, and that those come in all different varieties and patterns and that not everybody experiences that either. But there is a, there is a, there is a matrix of emotions that really um, exacerbate a person's grief when their person died by substance use. Given that you've gone through this journey and now are there to support other people, what have you learned along the way that you wish you knew when you were in your 20s and your dad had just died? The first thing I learned that I wish I knew uh, was that um, it wasn't that good for me to drink and drug at my grief. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. did that for 12 more years after my dad died. So that's number one. If you're struggling with, if you're struggling with alcohol or other drugs yourself or, or mental, mental illness yourself or whatever your, your issues are that, that your basic psychological needs are not getting met, you know, that's really important, you know, to realize that you're a whole person, <laughs> you know, and it's not just about grief. Grief people are whole people. And I am a whole person. I'm not just an addict. I'm not just a person whose father killed himself. I'm, I'm much more than that. I could go on and on a little bit about what I wish I had known about grief. Um, because I will tell I will tell you, I hadn't really thought about it this way, Heidi, but I was as ignorant as a person could be. I was a college student and, you know, yeah. I was a high, I was a high functioning addict, as we say, although I don't mean that to be judgmental that there's low functioning high, but I was just like, you know, I was out, I was, you know, I looked, I looked good on the outside. Um, but, but, you know, I was, I was, I was college, I was almost college educated and, you know, pretty cosmopolitan kind of guy. And, and I was ignorant about grief and I was ignorant about this is 1978 you know I was yeah. ignorant about depression I think what I would say really is to people about grief is um, you really have a right to grieve how you grieve and you really need space for that and sometimes you have to claim that for yourself sometimes you have to ask for it but there's a whole bunch going on with you if you're a bereaved person that you don't have enough space for and that you don't have enough permission for. And um, once I realized that I needed that and could even recognize that what was happening to me was because of my grief and my trauma and get that space. Well, the work you are doing is so important and you have definitely made your mess your mission. 
as they say. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. And, and are helping many, many people today. And I love that you're doing it through, you know, like I, the thing I love about peer support is we share our own stories of how we struggled so much and, and found hope. And what you're doing at SADOD is phenomenal and so needed right now. Yeah. If people want to find you and your organizations, and I know that you're a coach as well, you, you are a counselor, yeah. et cetera. How, how do they find you and how do they find your organization? Anybody, uh, you know, can, can contact me at franklin at sadod.org. Okay. Very good, Franklin. You're you're phenomenal. Franklin is the most authentic person. I have worked with him personally and professionally. If if you are someone that needs support, this is your guy. I'm I, I am going to recommend him wholeheartedly, and he will take the journey. That's what I love with you, because as you all know, we are ex we are the expert on our lives, and he is the expert on coaching and supporting. So together you all can find hope again. So thank you, Franklin, for what you're doing. Um, I know that your dad is proud, proud of his son. So, uh, and I know that he's your guiding light. Yes. So thank you for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and for all of you that are watching, if you wanna see more shows like this, please go to opentohope.com. And Franklin and I wanna remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you found your own. Indeed, indeed. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.